You're listening to Cybersecurity Careers Blog Podcast, hosted by Rob Waters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cybercareers.blog Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Waters, and today is Monday, November 28th. It's been a few weeks since we've last had a podcast, and there's been so much going on in the big tech and cybersecurity world. We're not going to address any of that actually in today's episode. What I'd like to focus on today in the spirit of mentorship is what is imposter syndrome and how it affects people within any type of career, but especially tech. Many of you are probably not aware that I actually am a customer engineer working at Google. I want to make clear that anything that I'm saying here is actually my own opinion, and I don't represent the opinions of Google, Google Cloud, or any of its uh, subsidiaries or Alphabet as a whole. This is truly just me speaking about my experience. However, almost three years ago is when I officially started at Google. All kinds of emotions are going through your mind. You're obviously excited, you're trying to pinch yourself, you know, I actually got hired and made it into Google, one of the most prestigious companies out there, uh, really in the world. I'm certainly very proud of all the companies and roles that I've worked for prior, but there's just something about getting into the top tech company, uh, you know, one of the top tech companies rather, in the world that uh, really just kind of raises the bar and With that comes a whole lot of new kind of performance that you feel that you must answer to uh, and that you must meet the level of greatness that exists at Google or any kind of similar top tech company. So naturally, what we're talking about is imposter syndrome. And despite my educational background, despite my professional experience, at that time I had over 10 years of working across you know various roles doing anything from the very basics of help desk administration and i've talked a little bit about that in prior episodes and i will focus on that more in greater detail but rising the ranks becoming a network engineer then becoming a network engineer uh, supporting various dod operations and becoming a pre-sale systems engineer for cisco so on and so forth. You know, there's a lot of things that I did in my career that says, yes, I should be here. I've earned my place here in this company. But the imposter syndrome was just impossible to deny at the time, and I let it take hold of me. So this is something that I think really a lot of us go through. We just don't talk about it, or we just don't acknowledge it the way that we really should. What it needs to be is a teachable moment in your personal development in your career. Instead, what we kind of end up letting happen is that it takes hold of us probably for too long, and then it obviously affects our individual performance, uh, might even give you a certain level of doubt of, do I really belong here? Have I made a mistake? No matter how great this role or company is, maybe I just don't belong and maybe I should actually leave. 
And that's probably one of the worst things that you could do unless you have some kind of overwhelming reason or reasons to actually go ahead and walk away from that role. What I'm hoping is that this experience that I'm sharing with all of you will give you kind of the, the feedback and the encouragement and build some confidence that yes, you too can excel and be successful in your role no matter how much you feel that maybe you don't belong. The bottom line is that you were offered a position in a company, someone or many people perhaps expressed the faith and confidence in you to perform in that role. And unless you're, you're giving them very good reasons not to, you, you have already owned your, you have already earned their trust uh, and you've earned some kind of, um, you know, rapport with them. And it's, it's on you to just continue to, to deliver to the levels that you know you can and that you have done in, in the past. So kind of peeling back a little bit on what imposter syndrome is and just how prevalent it is. When I was doing some research for an article that I actually typed up about this whole experience and it's available on the blog, again, that's cybercareers.blog. What I found was that according to the National Institute of Health, about 82% of surveyed individuals responded yes to experiencing imposter syndrome. Now that's across all different types of work-related categories. So this is not just specific to the security or cybersecurity or InfoSec or anything like that. But what I want you to understand again is that despite how prevalent imposter syndrome is, it's okay, it's a normal experience, and you need to then manage that experience and then overcome it. This is actually the second time that I faced serious imposter syndrome in my career. The first time actually being in when I first got hired at Cisco, um, but it actually wasn't even when I first joined Cisco. It was more several months into being at Cisco, whereas at Google, it was pretty much right away. Uh, and that's really just for a lot of reasons, but I'll get into a little bit of what this whole situation was in just a moment. So the way that you can really overcome imposter syndrome is that you need to learn to master your emotions. I didn't do that really the first time at all when I was at Cisco. I, I think it was almost even somewhat of chance or luck or just kind of white knuckling it and finally getting through the experience. Whereas I took a different approach really with, Cis or with, with Google and I'm glad I did. And that's again why I'm here to really kind of share my, my secret sauce here. Although it's really nothing really that's not other people that can't you know, do or have done. It's just, this is what works for me. So in case you're not really sure what imposter syndrome is or maybe not familiar with the full definition, Harvard University defines imposter syndrome as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persists despite evident success. Imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of success or external proof 
of competence. Now, there's been some debate on this term. You'll see online, if you start to research it enough, that really it should be phrased as imposter phenomenon and not as imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome represents pathologicization of symptoms and that it implies a mental disease or disorder. So that's kind of a complex answer. What we're really saying here is that, yeah, you feel that you are inadequate, that the work that you're doing isn't up to the level that are of your peers, and that any kind of feeling of success or external proof of competence, so maybe something that you actually made, it could be a document, contribution to a project, that it doesn't show that you actually are competent and good in what you're doing. I'm not going to go down really the rabbit hole of is it imposter phenomenon or imposter syndrome. We'll just keep saying it uh, as imposter syndrome since that's really what most people are familiar with in terms of a phrase or term. So I think there's a lot of people that are listening, especially that work within the cyber or IT world, that feel that they haven't quite earned what they achieved. Think about, for example, something even as just as simple as you pass a technical certification exam. Maybe you still passed, but there's still so many fragments of the content that you aren't maybe advanced enough in or knowledgeable enough to really kind of have a deep level conversation on. But maybe there's other components of that certification exam that you know very well and you passed and that was what helped you pass. Anytime that there is really a very difficult certification exam, again, something like a CCNA, CCMP, CCIE, just for example, I think you're really going to be confronted with the feeling of imposter syndrome. And again, certainly if you have an honest conversation with other colleagues that are studying or taking these exams that are relatively new to the field or new to the material, even if they do pass, they're probably going to have a, a, a kind of self-doubt of do they really, do they really truly earned or um, are they truly certified in, in, that, in that material? I think that's a normal reaction. And again, I've had that before myself. But we have to remember that things just like to that point of a certification exam, it's testing you on a wide range of content. And think of it as really your foundation. So now you're gonna take that foundational knowledge that you have of the content material. Maybe you already have some on the job experience in whatever you were tested on, but you should have a deeper understanding and kind of appreciation for the material paired with your on the job work and maybe even a newfound confidence in what you're doing. So that's one of the ways that you can kind of break down the barriers of imposter syndrome is realizing that you already do have some experience and for something like a certification exam, it's not meant to be a end all be all. You are the absolute expert on all the material. Nobody has the time to master it all or to know it all. That's just not real world. 
So let me get back to experiencing imposter syndrome at Google. So as I mentioned, I worked tirelessly to earn these technical certifications that I was just talking about. I volunteered for difficult projects. There were plenty of times where coworkers didn't want to maybe take on a certain type of project because it was just too hard or they just didn't want that level of responsibility. But I was more of a go-getter and wanted to have the experience and wanted to kind of keep rising up in my career. So I volunteered. Uh, sometimes I regretted it, but no matter what, you know, that was just a way for me to build and learn my skill set. So imagine now it's December 2019 and I'm sitting in at a Google office and I'm sitting at my desk and everyone to, you know, everyone around and in, in, in as far as I can see, you know, people are, are busy working on projects, they're on phone calls or, or meetings, um, or they're just having casual conversations off to the side about whatever latest technology or project that they're working on. Maybe it's something in a, you know, extremely high detail in something like Kubernetes or something like IP routing or something like software-defined networking or, um, you know, caching content in the cloud um, across content delivery networks. I mean, there were all these different things that, you know, maybe I had a basic understanding of or maybe I had no understanding of. And so I'm listening and observing and I'm also, you know, kind of taking in everything of, that's going around in my surroundings. And all I can think of is I don't belong here. Yeah, maybe I was really good at my prior job and my prior company, but I just feel like I don't belong here. So believe it or not, what I ended up doing uh, so much of the time, and I was so busy with onboarding, kind of training anyway, is that I found myself trying to really keep my head down, just buried in work as much as possible, and really kept my headphones on for a good amount of time um, whenever possible, because it was a way to just kind of blend into my environment and stay silent. And I think a lot of us can kind of relate to this, right? So if you stay silent, you can't be criticized because you can't be criticized if you have nothing to say, right? You can't be proven wrong. You can't say something that comes out stupid, that someone else says, I can't believe they thought that, right? This was what was going on in my mind at the time. So, you know, as I tried to initially kind of snap out of it, I thought to myself, you know, I worked the past 12 years in my career to earn a spot at this desk, to be in this office, to be in this company, but somehow I still felt so out of place. I think the first thing that I started to really seriously ponder in my head was, why am I here, right? This is a simple question, but this really became an exercise in self-reflection and affirmation. So as I started to talk more to my colleagues who are on my team, I explained my background and what I felt I could contribute to the team. Obviously, being the new guy, a lot of people want to get to know you. So they start to have conversations and say, you know, what is your area of specialization? Where did you come from? What kind of projects were you working on before? 
And so I would share that, that experience. What I started to learn was that they have strong areas of specialization, just like myself, mine being networking and security, but then they have huge knowledge gaps, just like me. So yeah, maybe I understood routing and networking really well. But the guy that I'm talking to that maybe knows everything about software development has no clue about IP routing, networking, and the ins and outs of different types of protocols. So then by chance, I was on business travel. This was just before COVID really hit. And I had a random conversation with my manager and I explained that the ramp up to learn and be impactful to the team just felt enormous. I felt like I was climbing up Mount Everest. I had so far to go and only so much time before I would be thrown into an important project. So recall that, you know, it's December, late December actually at this point. And, you know, typically the onboarding process at Google could be several months, but you know above that horizon is your first kind of, you know, real world customer engagement, um, being assigned to a project. And, and it just seemed like, well, my God, what, what project am I gonna be assigned to? Because I feel like I can only be of value to maybe a couple. So what am I gonna do if I'm assigned a project that I just have no clue about that technology? So I explained to him kind of how I felt and where I felt I needed to go and kind of maybe he sensed a little bit of panic in my voice. So he, being a great manager, expressed that he, he was understanding, he reinforced confidence in my abilities and what he knows that I can bring to the team. He also recognized that you know, it's not easy going from being a top performer on a team in a different company to now being suddenly surrounded by an entire team of top performers. And really, this isn't to brag. It's just that the culture of Google is that there's a ton of very successful people there, right? They're very good at what they do. And everyone goes to work for the most part and is trying to do the very best they can every day. Um, that's just kind of culturally not something that you see in most companies. Sure, maybe in pockets, maybe in certain departments, but company-wide, it's, it's just at a whole nother level, something that I never experienced before. So again, this just reinforced my imposter syndrome uh, type, type uh, feelings and symptoms that I had. But where, the, where my imposter syndrome really started to go away was he, he said to me, hey, look, the stakes are raised, expectations are higher, but at the end of the day, we're all still human, right? So he shared anecdotes of how a colleague on my team, I already started to get to know him a little bit and I already came to admire him. Uh, he had started just about six months prior to me and much of really what I was going through in that moment was what he was experiencing about five, six months ago himself. So in present time, at when this conversation was going on, again, this is about December 2019, 
Um, he had just completed an important artificial intelligence proof of concept for a customer. And it was quite impressive. So if he could go from zero, where I felt I was at the moment, to presenting an AI use case to an important customer, I have to be able to find my way. And I finally did. So here's how I overcame imposter syndrome in five steps. Number one, write out your feelings. Some of you may be starting to laugh and that's okay. But actually writing out exactly how you feel will help your mind process the situation and apply logic. Why do you feel that you don't belong in the current work environment? What gaps do you feel that you have in experience or qualifications? Start writing, and whether it's with a pen and paper or an online document, you need to do it. Because I think oftentimes we have all these thoughts in our head that seem to make sense. But when we write them down and then read them back to ourselves, we realize how much a lot of these thoughts at times are irrational and don't make sense. Number two, start a conversation with trusted peers. This one's critical. So it's important, especially at a new company, define and establish your own personal board of directors or trusted peers. This is crucial, crucial to your personal and career development. So you wanna to try to find people who are in similar roles to yours that live your challenges every day. They should be intimately familiar with your role, at least some of them. It doesn't have to be all of them, but at least some of them because they're gonna be able to know the context of exactly how you feel or what type of terminology or similar work that you're doing. You need to ask for feedback to grow. This is important. If you don't ask for feedback, you're rarely gonna get it. It's really, unless you do a terrible job, someone hopefully will pull you to, to the side after the meeting or after the call or whatever it is and say, hey, can I give you some feedback? Always say yes to the feedback because it's crucial. It's someone who's reaching out with an olive branch and trying to help you. But realize that most people aren't going to do that. So that's why you need to ask for the feedback to grow. What you don't want to hear is, yeah, everything was great. You did a great job. Believe it or not, by doing that, you're actually not getting any kind of useful feedback on how to improve. What you should be getting is a few things that you did well and a few things that you didn't do well or can improve on. And it can be even just small little incremental things that you can do to improve to make your presentation or your delivery more impactful. We all have room to grow. We all have room to improve. I've seen vice presidents, C-level, CEOs that are going to, at some level, make mistakes in their delivery or their presentation or their speech. Everyone can have some little way to improve. It's just the nature of being human. So ask for feedback to grow. 
How you do that is you try to invite whenever possible early on in the ramping up and when you're trying to kind of develop into a stronger contributor and especially to get over this imposter syndrome, you want to try to invite at least some of them into your meetings. So it doesn't matter if this is an internal meeting or an external meeting with customers. Um, maybe depending on the engagement, it might be tough to invite them to an external customer engagement. Um, so whenever possible, just try to include them early on. Ask for their perspective and constructive feedback on your performance and bounce ideas for growth off this team immediately after the meeting. This is crucial. You don't want to wait several days or even a week or something like that to ask for the feedback or to get their feedback on how your meeting went and how your contributions went. Because by that time, it's been too long, they've forgotten the exact flows or maybe some of the mannerisms, even if it's virtual, there's some things you can pick up. Maybe it's the tone of voice in the customer or the person that you're talking to. Maybe it's, um, if they're on camera, maybe they're you know displaying some kind of body language or just something, right? You wanna be able to have all those different data points fresh in your mind. And you're only gonna have that if you hold this sync up right after the meeting. Just remember, feedback is a gift, and we want to take it as often as possible. Number three, find a mentor. So I have a full article on how to really reach out and become either a mentee or a mentor. I definitely highly encourage you to read it. Again, it's at cybercareers.blog. You should be able to find it under career success. But it's important to find a mentor as soon as possible whenever you change careers jobs or roles. Now, this isn't as simple as just reaching out and saying, hey, will you be my mentor? Because that's open-ended, doesn't really have a clear agenda or objective. It has no idea, like it gives no kind of idea to the person that you're asking, how long is this for? What are you trying to achieve? Um, so you need to be specific. I'll touch on that really in a separate podcast, but just go ahead and take a read at my article about finding a mentor and the importance of it. Mentors are really valuable because again, they're gonna be able to take the different kinds of feedback that you're looking for and not only give you that, but then really take you under their wing, hopefully, and really show kind of the quote unquote secret sauce about what makes them successful in the role or what it takes to be successful at the company, or just how to do a good job. I mean, forget about even just maybe trying to, you know, quote unquote, rise in the ranks in the company or something like that. It doesn't have to be that complex. It's just, hey, here's what I do that really helped me out when I started and what made me successful. And so I'm passing on this knowledge to you now, or I'm gonna involve you in certain projects, maybe let's say that I think is gonna be really good for your development. Yeah, you don't really have any experience in AI, no problem. I wanna involve you, involve you in a project that I'm doing where I'm gonna take lead and you're gonna be able to kind of grow your skill set. You can really just kind of shadow the engagement early on, but as you build more familiarity with the topic or the technology or whatever it is, you can start to kind of build some confidence and then skill up or 
uh, plus up yourself, whatever you know, you know, phrase you want to want to use. That's someone who's a mentor, and that's very different from someone who's just going to give you kind of uh, an honest conversation with feedback. So find a mentor as early as possible, especially whenever you've changed roles, jobs, or careers as a whole. It's invaluable. Another way that you can do this also is just get a diverse perspective. So one of the ways that you can do that, even if they don't turn into a mentor, is to just start scheduling private one-on-ones uh, with as many team members as you can within the first 30 to 90 days. So maybe it's people that are on your same team or people that are on an adjacent team that maybe have completely different customers but very similar type of work to you. Um, there, there could also be, you know, maybe you reach out to your manager or even your manager's manager. There's nothing wrong with that. Just have a quick call, find out what it is that they do that makes them successful, and then ask, hey, how can I help you be more successful? You'd be surprised what people will tell you, and it shows that you have initiative, and it also shows that you want to learn and you want to grow. And now that person knows exactly who you are. They're always going to remember you. You're going to stick out from the crowd. Your name's going to be, quote unquote, on their whiteboard. And I think that's really priceless. Number four, celebrate your achievements. So early on, it's critical that you celebrate your achievements in your new role or company. It doesn't matter how small or incremental that they may seem to the bigger picture. A win is a win. So did you pass a required internal training? that maybe is a critical milestone to your development, write that down and celebrate it. Did you nail that presentation that you've been stressing over? Write that down and celebrate it. Pretty soon, your achievements list will grow to a respectable number, and it's important that you also use these data points with your manager. Maybe open up a doc or something like that, wherever you wanna do. Start noting down everything that you quote unquote, have a win on or that you are your achievements. Because when it comes time to maybe having a discussion with your manager over progress in your role or justification for a pay raise or, you know, trying to be on uh, considered for a special type of project or assignment, um, whatever it is, right? You want to have an ongoing list of basically your own personal achievements, things that you've done. Uh, whatever your wins are, because that shows growth and it shows, again, that you're, you're, you're on kind of, this is your own personal roadmap of success. Number five, and wrapping this up, and this is probably the most important, stop comparing yourself to your peers. So the final step, in my opinion, to overcoming the imposter syndrome or inadequacy compared to others is to stop comparing yourself to your peers in the first place. So as I explained earlier on in this podcast, when I started as a new hire at Google, I was constantly comparing myself to my peers, even if it was subconsciously. If I heard a term I didn't know, I, didn't, I felt I didn't belong. If they had a background that is completely different than mine, and thus a strength and something that I don't have, I felt I didn't belong. 
there were a few team members that had a really strong software development background. That was never really my background or my forte. So when I was asked point blank, what software development experience do you have or what programming languages do you, do you know? I, I really had a very short conversation, quite frankly. But when I started to talk about other things that maybe I had background in that they didn't have a background in or knowledge in, that's where you kind of, again, understand that everyone has their specializations, everyone has their strengths, and everyone has their unique kind of value that they're bringing to the team. So the mental anguish of comparing yourself to your peers is defeating and non-productive. You have to stop comparing yourself to your peers and their accomplishments and remember that you were brought into the company and on the team for a reason for your background, your prior achievements, and your expertise. Stop comparing yourself to other people and just be yourself. That's gonna do it for the fourth podcast here at cybercareers.blog. I really hope you enjoyed this and I hope that my personal experience of dealing with imposter syndrome at a company like Google will resonate no matter where you work. And again, it doesn't matter if you're a SOC analyst, a help desk analyst, a network engineer, um, it, it doesn't matter. Imposter syndrome affects just about anyone. I wanna thank you for tuning in and we'll be back very soon. Thank you everyone for listening. Please be sure to like and subscribe and share this podcast to your favorite social media platforms. Catch all the latest cybersecurity news and career advice on cybercareers.blog.